We started on our journey together with a paranormal investigation at Eloise Asylum. We left the asylum eager to learn the truth. We bought our own equipment and decided to document our findings. And we're here to share them with you. I'm Melissa. I'm Mandy. Welcome to our paranormal experience. Welcome back, everyone. Hello, Melissa and I are going to tell you about our investigation at the Fort Gratiot Lighthouse. But first, we're going to tell you guys a little bit about an investigation that we did at the Willow Schoolhouse. Oh yeah, I've almost forgot. Willow's Schoolhouse is just a small one-room schoolhouse in Willow, Michigan. It reminded me almost of the schoolhouse from Little House on the Prairie. You know what? I thought that too. It really does. We didn't really get any activity at the schoolhouse, like anything notable that we could share with you. We didn't have any audio, anything like that. I mean, it was small and there was a lot of people in there. And we were only there for a short time. It was an hour and 15 minutes was the allotted time. So we didn't get a lot of time to do our own investigation or anything. So we didn't want to do a whole episode on it, but... They did have an SLS camera set up, and it was cool. It really was. And I I found it interesting that there was another person there for the investigation that also had an SLS camera, and they caught a small figure, which we presume to be a child, in the camera as well. So that was kind of some validation for us that there really was something So the paranormal investigation team, they had their SLS camera kind of set up to point in the same direction the entire night. And that man who had brought his own SLS camera, like Mandy said, he pointed it in that direction and it picked up the same figure. We thought that that was super cool. That's really the coolest part of the entire night. We just, we just didn't have a lucky investigation night. So I think it is really important to note when we don't get activity as well as when we do. Last Saturday, we joined a paranormal investigation at the Fort Gratiot Lighthouse. We went with the Detroit Rock City Paranormal Group, and we got to investigate four buildings. The lighthouse, an old hospital, the lightkeeper's quarters, and the fog signal house. So I thought I would tell you guys a little bit about the lighthouse history. The Fort Gratiot Lighthouse is Michigan's oldest lighthouse. It's actually at the point in Port Huron where the St. Clair River and Lake Huron meet. The lighthouse was originally built in 1829. It was constructed by Captain Winslow, who invented the Lewis Lamp. But actually, he won like the bid on the construction, but he didn't construct it himself. He hired a subcontractor. George McDougall was the first lighthouse keeper. He reported that the lighthouse was poorly constructed and that you had to climb the stairs sideways and the opening at the top wasn't big enough for a grown man to go through. He was short and almost 300 pounds, which prompted them to ignore his pleadings. 
but he was right. And after a storm in 1828, it was left leaning. After a while, it just fell. It was 32 feet tall. Meanie, can you imagine just like, I just imagine standing there. Like, I don't think anybody was hurt or anything, but just standing there in a 32 foot tall lighthouse just falls. That would be really scary. That would be a sight, right? And loud. I can you, I just, imagining it is just crazy. They did rebuild it and they added on to it later. And the lighthouse ended up being 82 feet tall. And we had the pleasure of walking all the way to the top and standing on the catwalk. Pleasure? (laughs) I question that word, (laughs) Melissa. (laughs) It was, I think they said by the time that they added the steps, like walking into the entrance and the other steps, it was almost 100. It is like 94. I believe I could be a little bit off, but it's almost 100. They were very narrow, winding. The Melissa and I are both really short, but the handrails were super low. I had to like duck down. I'm 5'2". I'm 5'1". So yeah, I had to duck down to hold the handrail. Could not use those handrails. No. And you didn't know this, but... You, Because you went up before me, like, when we got to the very top, and I was behind you, and I wasn't paying attention, and when you popped your head out of the hole, I hit my head on the ceiling. (laughs) (laughs) So, not hard, but I did, and luckily nobody saw. The hole is so awkward. I mean, okay, so first of all, like, we're walking up these stairs, They are the windiest stairs I have ever gone up in my life. I've never climbed a staircase like that. I mean, think about almost 100 stairs just winding. They're iron. There are small, very small, like two, maybe three purse people could stand there, like little landings, literally to stop and rest. And I think we did good because we only stopped once. Yeah, and it was just quickly. But when you get to the top, the hole is so awkward. It's like a square cutout. It's not like you walk up and just like step off of a staircase. You climb through a square cutout hole. And there's really no place to grab onto when you're walking out of it. You have to walk over the hole to get to the... The door that leads out to the catwalk. Which was really, really awkward. And I totally thought I was going to fall into it because I'm so clumsy. So we step out onto the catwalk. I was only out there for a second, just enough time to get a picture because things like that make me nervous. Mandy saw a lot more than I did. Well, not a whole lot because it was dark up there and it took me probably three minutes at least to find my camera out of the bag. (laughs) But I I was out there longer. It's pretty neat. Um, When you're actually driving to the Fort Gratiot Lighthouse, you actually take 94 and it is the last stop in the United States. That That was fun. I've never actually driven on a freeway that literally ended like that. If we went one way, we would have went to Canada, and the other way, the freeway ended, and we went into the town where the lighthouse was. 
And that's where the Blue Water Bridge comes in. When you take that exit, I've never really drove like next to a bridge that large before. It was it was kind of amazing. It's really a beautiful bridge. But when you're standing on that catwalk, you also have a beautiful view of part of Canada and the Blue Water Bridge. Yeah, that was really pretty. I, I wish we could have maybe been there in the daytime. I think we would have had a much prettier view. Because it's really close. Like, you could probably even see people walking around, I imagine. Like, do you think? In Canada? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So going up, we thought was going to be hard, but I think going down was a lot harder. First of all, you have to kind of climb into the hole. And I mean, there's a there's a lady, she's standing there and she's literally telling you like, you should probably turn around on the stairs and literally go, go backwards. backwards. And I did because it's a frightening thought to fall down those iron stairs. They and were steep. They were steep. They were windy. I mean, there's not much to grab except for an extremely short guardrail. We both mentioned going up that just going in circles like that made me feel a little bit dizzy. I was dizzy. But going down, I mean, the the woman in front of us, she was probably a bit taller, literally slid down on her butt. The whole way on her butt. The whole almost hundred steps. I'm assuming if she stood upright all the way, she just wasn't comfortable grabbing the railing. Because they were so low. That was definitely different. Like, we walked out of the lighthouse and we were kind of just amazed at how weird it felt to walk out after that. From there, we went into the lightkeeper's quarters and just kind of learned about the structure of the paranormal investigation. They split us up into groups of four or five. I think we had five in our group. And then each group took turns in the building. So we all got four different turns. And we started out in the hospital. Which was really nice that they split us up. um, Because even with a group of five, you're sometimes really surprised at how loud it can get. Because, I mean, I I guess from my viewpoint, because I'm like trying to record and things, you know, some of the audio, you know, gets covered up by people talking and things like that. So I, I really liked the way that they structured the paranormal investigation. Yeah, I did too. And I I think it made it easier for us to communicate with the investigators when there was a smaller group versus a big group, because then you feel like you never get to say anything or have interaction with the actual investigators. Absolutely. And one of the first things that they told us was that each investigator, because there's quite a few investigators in this group, Um, They kind of all had different specialties, and I feel like we saw that throughout the night, and I thought it was kind of cool that they all kind of had a different way of doing things, you know, different ideas of doing things. I, I, I really liked it. The Fort Gratiot Hospital was built in 1814 because of the War of 1812. It was vacated and rebuilt in the 1820s. I think it was used as a training facility for the Civil War. And this is when they built things like the officers' quarters and the hospital. In 1979, the hospital was split in half and used as two residences. In 2002, they acquired both structures and moved them to the Lighthouse Park, putting them back together. I did find that kind of neat how it was 
two separate buildings and then they put them back together. And you could tell, too, when you were in there that it was two separate buildings that they had put back together. Like, the floor was literally, like, plywood in the middle. The first thing that we did when we got to the hospital was set up our equipment. Melissa had her scare bear and we had the flashlight and Melissa had her camera and the recorder. Yes. The flashlight and the bear were sitting on a chair in front of us and then Melissa and I took turns holding the camera. The recorder was on the whole time. Now I did actually, I didn't put my bear on the chair when we first walked in, it was probably about five minutes. Okay. The only reason I'm really noting that is because I do have this on video. So in the video, I think it, it starts before I put the bear on the chair, I think. Okay. Sorry. The bear was the most exciting part. So it was. Just skip to that. Um, the investigators <laughs> did have their equipment that they had, they were using. Um, they actually had some of the cat balls that Melissa and I use. With the lights in their case. They did not have them out in display, but I think that's one of the first things we might have seen. Yes. Because it was dark and the, the ball lit up from the suitcase. We could see because the lid was open. So that was kind of interesting. They were using the Necrophonic app. They were. We did use, I bought an SB11 ghost box. We did, we did start out actually using that, but it's just, they're so loud and staticky. Um, for a group environment, they just, they wanted to use the necrophonic, which is something me and Mandy have used plenty of times before. So the exciting part, we're sitting there and our bear went off. It went off a lot. A lot. If you've listened to our previous episodes, I bought this bear after our trip to Eloise and we have been taking it everywhere that we have gone. And we have not had any activity with this bear. We have not. So how the bear works is it's a REM pod. REM pods are devices that when you touch them, they sound an alarm and they light up. Just to be clear with everybody on what this bear is. We've never gotten the bear to work before. Right. It only goes off when we touch it. It would only work when we touch it. So this was the first time that it went off with nobody that we could see touching it. One of the investigators who admitted she was a little bit of a skeptic, she actually asked us if she could touch the bear because I think that she thought that it was maybe going off because it was sensitive to maybe somebody walking close to it or vibrations from people walking on the floor. And it would not go off unless she actually touched it. And she even tried jumping on the floor just to see if it would go off, and it did not. This was so exciting because I felt like this is what happened to me. We went to Eloise. We had experiences. Um, the investigation team there had a bear. They had other REM pods. Um, they were using the Necrophonic app. And it seemed to me that's when I changed my stance on if ghosts were real, but I doubted it because it was their equipment and I thought it could be rigged. Maybe they're just giving people a good time. But this was my equipment that I know is not rigged. And it never worked before. I know I have sat with that bear in my house on just to observe it. It has never gone off. 
So that was exciting because I've been on more paranormal investigations than you, but I had never really used my own equipment until you, you know, purchased what you did. And it's always been somebody else's equipment with the exception of the flashlights that I've used. So it was really exciting to get that first time of knowing that it was paranormal. I felt like that was the proof. And these investigators doubted my equipment like I doubted the equipment at Eloise. It makes me feel like everything has been genuine. Yes. And the flashlight, um, we don't want to forget that. Like the flashlight did turn off and on in response to questions. And it worked kind of alongside the bear a lot. And the necrophonic audio, which we do not 100% trust because it is a phone app, did correspond with the flashlight activity in the bear. And there is just no way that all these things could happen together. I'm smiling right now talking about it because it was just the most amazing experience to actually see. And we tried to figure it out. We tried to debunk it. And we couldn't. I am going to upload the video. I'm going to make a YouTube channel. You know, this is a new podcast, so we don't have one yet. I'm going to make a YouTube channel within the next few days and upload it. It's dark most of the time in the video. They have the lights off. You can see the bear lighting up. What I think is fantastic is that since we also got flashlight activity, when the flashlight is on, you can see that no one is touching the bear. I love that. Like I, I had just bought this video camera. And I am so glad that I bought this video camera and I have this video. All this video is, is a flashlight going on and off, which the flashlight activity, you know, we, we had it, but it wasn't a ton. But this bear just lights up and lights up and lights up. And when we say, oh, like, do you like the bear? The bear lights up. Do you want to pick the bear up? It lights up. One of the investigators that was in there, we had her in a different building later on, and she had mentioned that... With the next group that was there, she mentioned the bear. Was it a flashlight that she said had lit up in response it was that it the, wanted the bear? The dousing rods. The dousing rods. Yeah, she had asked, um, are you looking for the bear? And they crossed. So we kind of felt special that it liked our bear. I actually felt like a little bit guilty taking the bear. Like it almost made me want to take like another bear back there. <laughs> but it is really far. <laughs> Just because... I thought it must have been, I mean, this was a hospital. I thought this could be like a sweet, like ghost child or something. I didn't have any negative feelings in there. I didn't have any, I wasn't scared. Other people on our investigation, like other people that paid to go on this investigation did say that they had negative feelings or they felt like evil things in there. I personally didn't. I didn't either. I was very comfortable. I felt like whatever was there was just sweet. Nothing to me that happened. Nothing was scary. Suggested any, like, any negative. anything negative. You're not going to hear a whole lot. Um, You're going to hear people talking and you're going to hear our bear going off. But I am going to put some audio in there for you. This is just so you can see how frequently our bear was going off. See, so you can touch that bear and make that go off. So we're really sorry that, you know, if you had a rough death and maybe you're tied to this location because of that, we know it was a hospital and we don't mean you any harm. 
men here? Yes. Can you tell us how many people are here? How many spirits are with you? Ten. Did you say eight? There. There. Very good. how many of us are in this room? How many females are in this room right now? Five. They said ten, they said ten You like that bear? Is 
Nicole here with us. Tom. 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 I got Hi, Tom. Tom. Is Tom in here? Tom. And now I just want to share a couple of notable audio clips that we caught on the Necrophonic app while we were in the hospital. Do you want to talk to somebody that's here? Sure. Can, can we what? Talk. Talk? Yes, we can talk. Who would you like to talk to? Nurse. Do you need a nurse? Yeah. We got... A little bit of stuff the rest of the night, but nothing compared to what we had gotten in the hospital. The next place we went was the Lightkeeper's Quarters, and we did our whole investigation down in the basement. It wasn't the most comfortable investigation. We sat on buckets, (laughs) but it was fun. It was fun. We were in a small room in the basement, and we were with two different investigators, they used the Necrophonic app. He had a ghost box, too, that he tried. There was a small rim pot on the floor? There was, and there was also an EMF reader and a couple flashlights. We didn't focus. like It was just so small in there. I really, I took out our equipment, but I put it to the side. It was not, like, in the middle of what was going on. We did get flashlight activity. Um, the EMF reader did light up. And at one point, and I'll insert the audio clip for you, the temperature even changed in the room. The real thing that got us was, and I'll let Mandy tell that story. Well, first of all, one of the one of the other people that paid to go on the investigation had an app on their phone that would spell out certain words. And she happened to be sitting next to me, and I heard her say, oh, it said Mandy. I looked at Melissa, she looked at me, and at first I almost didn't want to say anything. Then we did, or I said, I'm Mandy. It mentioned my son's name, it spelled out my son's name. We started trying to communicate with whatever was there as if, you know, it might have known Mandy. And we really didn't get much, but the strange thing is that There was a point in the night where somebody felt that they had heard Mandy's name on the ghost box as well. I don't have audio of this because at this time people were kind of excited and they were just being loud. I can't hear the ghost box over the people in my audio. So I don't know. I can't confirm if the ghost box had said Mandy's name or not. But people seem to think that it did. I do you feel like I did hear it a little bit, but you're right. There were so many people talking. I was really trying to concentrate on what it was saying, and I felt I just couldn't hear it. It did say my friend's name on the app that had passed away oh last year. Oh my gosh, year. I was floored. I mean, because that wasn't just, it wasn't just that it said her friend's name. She asked that if it was someone that knew her to tell her something specific about herself. And that was not the specific thing that she was looking for, but it was still specific. It was. Melissa gasped when it said it. I gasped loud. She did. I think that the people thought that she was 
being attacked or touched or something. <laughs> she scared everybody. I was just, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that it said Mandy's name. It said her son's name. And then it said the name of her friend that she loved so dearly that had passed away. Was something trying to communicate with me? Maybe. I mean, it could be. But I don't feel that we had any proof of that 100%. Right. So it was neat. It was an experience. It definitely was. It was memorable for sure. It was. I mean, I hope. I hope it was somebody. But I hope next time they say the word that you're looking for. I know. I've got a secret code word I'm looking for. So I'll, you know, it will be proof. But after that, we went to the actual lighthouse to do our investigation. And the bottom of the lighthouse, there's kind of like a small... There's a small area, and I mean, like, we're all sitting on the floor of the lighthouse. I mean, a, a little, we, there was like a little bit of activity, an EMF reader lighting up here or there, but there's also power in these buildings. It just wasn't enough to really say that there was anything substantial. I've listened to our audio. There's a couple clips that might be something. We really, it's really just nothing really substantial. I agree. It it seemed to, as the night wore on, it seemed like the activity got less and less. It dwindled for sure. After that, we went to the Fog, um, was it the Fog Horn House? Yeah. Which I didn't even know was a thing. Um, I guess there were Fog Horn Houses before Fog Horns were on buoys. I live in Michigan by the Great Lakes and I didn't even know there was Fog Horns on buoys. I never thought about it. We really didn't get anything there. It was still a fun experience. We still had a great time. We really liked the investigators that we got to investigate with. Detroit Rock City Paranormal. They're really cool. Like them on Facebook. If you're in the area, you should consider going to an investigation with them. And like Melissa had mentioned earlier, they all seem to have their own way of doing things, their own specialty. So it was nice to get that variety. Like when we were in the basement with... It was a man and a woman investigator, and she almost, she seemed, she did not claim to be a a sensitive person of any type, but I don't know why she just seemed that way to me. She did. I got that feeling from her. And actually, now that you're saying this, she said that on the recorder, she's the one that really said she heard my name, and the tone of the way that it was said did remind me of how my dad would have said my name. I feel like she she was maybe a little bit sensitive, but she didn't she didn't really say that. She didn't brag about it. Yeah, she did not advertise herself it. that way at all. She just was very professional and very sweet. So it was her and a man, and I thought it was cool that he actually like passed around his audio recorder. He had us all ask a question. He did it twice and then we played it back. And it was just something, I, I mean, I know, I know that's done frequently. I hadn't done it before. And I thought that that was pretty cool. Like, that was his, I felt like his thing. Yeah, so he gave us all a chance to ask a question. And he involved us in his recorder and his equipment. And you're right, that was a nice thing. Like me and Mandy said earlier, we feel like this investigation, the Lighthouse investigation, really proved to us that what we are doing is real. I can't wait to go to other places. I know. I hope that they do this one again next year. And I personally would like to go back. I would too. 
I want to take the bear everywhere, though. I am so excited to take that bear everywhere now, and it's probably not going to work again <laughs> for, like, a long time. And, um, I mean, that's just going to have to be okay. We're going we're gonna to treasure it now. It's okay. But it's fun to, to go to the different places and learn about history and just go in an old building. It's one yeah. of my favorite things. That concludes our investigation of the Willow Schoolhouse and the Fort Gratiot Lighthouse. It was really fun. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.